This is a Founding Media podcast. Welcome back to Masters and Founders, where we get to know Austin's inspiring entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dan Dillard, and you're tuning in to the second episode of PJ Christie's Founders Spotlight series, where we sit down with Austin-based entrepreneurs who have graduated from Search and Convert's Black Business Matter program. We have something of an Austin celebrity joining us today. You may recognize him from his many performances at ACL and other stages, or you may have seen his art in town galleries or on t-shirts. We're excited to welcome Jonathan Chaka Mahoney into Founders Spotlight. Chaka is one half of the hip hop duo Riders Against the Storm, and he's also founder of fashion line Never Fresher. He's also founded the Black Lives Music Fund, which provides support for black musicians in Austin, and Dawa, a fund providing crisis relief support to black creatives and community frontliners in Austin. Through his artistry and entrepreneurship, Chaka works to get to the root of systemic issues in Austin that are threatening to drive people of color out of our community. He shines light on the failures to support black musicians and creatives in Austin and demonstrates through his journey how to respond to the needs that you recognize in your community. This episode is inspiring and invigorating. So let's dive in and hear from Chaka. How did you guys meet? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Well, uh, I started up the Black Businesses Matter to just help African-American entrepreneurs in uh, Austin and around the country. And, uh, uh, and I had always said, well, if, uh, to my friends, if you know of anybody, tell them to come find me. I'm glad to help. And then I kind of uh, uh, realized it's not up to them to find people. It's up to me to get out of my safety zone and go out and find people. So, yeah. um, so I was uh, speaking with my friend Najee. Mm-hmm. who uh, was in the Black Businesses Matter program. And I asked him uh, if he could make any introductions to, to anybody I could meet. And um, he introduced me to Shaka. Um, after I saw his uh, uh, challenge to the music community, I knew that this was a guy that I really wanted to work with. And so I called him. Shaka, tell me a little bit more about what you did or what you started in 2017. We were talking about that a little bit ago. Yeah, so I started a clothing line in 2017, which mm-hmm. is uh, called Nefer Fresher. Um, the Nefer aspect is a, is a nod to ancient wisdom. Um, I've always been kind of intrigued by hieroglyphics and that it's a art and also a science and that our ancient ones that are still here with us, you know, we're, we're just generations, you know, the sequels to that, 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 that wisdom of not separating science from language, from art, it's all one. And I really like that concept. And so the Nefer part is a, is a nod to Nefertiti. Um, a lot of wisdom comes from Egypt that's still, you know, we're still, it's still a part of us today. Obviously, the Greeks learned a whole, whole lot from Egypt. And the fresher aspect is about being in the now, being in the moment. So we're in the moment, but we have to understand that we're reflections of the past. We never forget that. So we don't leave the past behind. There's no way to do that. The past is in the present and the present is in the future. So Nefer Fresher is, a, is, is about that. It's about um, being fresh, and, but also uh, remembering where you come from. And so um, I started that brand in 2017 after years and years of, you know, just expressing myself through clothing. And I'm a performer in a group called Riders Against the Storm. Um, we started that group over... Oh, shoot, 2004, we started that group. So this, mm-hmm. that's what, eight, eight, 
18 years ago. Yeah. Um, me and my wife, um, we, we started that group um, to basically just express ourselves. And over the years, people have always commented on the fashion and clothing that, that I wear. And I thought, I'm a visual artist. Uh, I paint murals. I do all types of things. So I thought, like, what if I turn this art into clothing? What if I turned it into apparel? Mm -hmm. And around 2017, it, before that, actually, but I became more aware of it in 2017, the print-on-demand mm -hmm. world where you can upload your art and it can be shipped out, drop ship for you. And, and you can basically just upload the art and put your price on it and people will and market it and people will buy it from all over the world. So that's what I did. Um, I had an art show at Antone's and had a bunch of my art, which was also featured in the clothing line and launched it in 2017. And since 2017, it's grown a lot. Yeah, Shaka, I love the Basquiat t-shirt. I get comments on it everywhere. So I know it's discontinued. That's why I love it so much because nobody else is going to be wearing it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what's what's next for Never Fresher? Man, I'm super excited. Um, again, the journey has been, you know, it's been a long journey uh, for it, maybe not for other people, but, you know, launching in 2017 and, you know, just seeing the growth has been incredible. But this year I'm part of an incubator, a national incubator through Macy's. I think people probably heard of Macy's before. So it's an opportunity to learn from them about how to possibly, you know, vend and have my clothing line at at Macy's or a company like Dude, Macy's. Dude, that, so that could be a real game changer for you. That's super exciting. Yeah. So there were 600 applicants and 25 brands were chosen. So it's super, um, just a privilege. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. They're really teaching a lot about scaling your business, um, applying for loans, um, you know, getting your business proposal together. And these are all things that, you know, I've been looking to, you know, next steps I've been looking to take. So, you know, thanks to, you know, all the support I've had out there, like it's got me to this to this moment. So I'm really excited. <clears throat> it's basically been marketed to to my community and then it's grown outside of that community. Um, Riders Against the Storm is a band that has won band a year three times in a row in Austin, the Austin Chronicle Band of the Year. We've we've traveled all around the world. We have fans from all over the globe. So um, marketing it was was pretty I don't want to say it was easy, but we already had people that were paying attention. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that was a great, great thing to access them and, and have them support. What I love best is what you talked about was that you saw this need. People were coming to you and saying, hey, where do I get that? What, how do I do that? So, uh, so, so, so just already seeing the need, and, and that's what, what caused that push for you to start actually producing for others to buy. What other projects did, um, did, did, did you guys work on, you, you and PJ and Search and Convert work on together? Um, so, you know, I mean, that's a great point about, you know, just the need. I think everything that I've, <laughs> not everything, but most things that I do come from that is like recognizing that there's a need. I don't really want to do something that somebody's already doing. Like if, if they're already doing it, it's not that people, other people aren't designing clothes, but there's a certain angle, a certain voice or a certain thing that you have that you can offer that nobody else has. And if I, if I see that, then that attracts me to it and it makes me want to, to pursue um, ex the exploration of it. Um, so in, in, in case of other things that I work with, with PJ, um, something called the Black Live Music Fund was something I started in 2020 um, as a to address the need in the um, Austin music industry because a lot of black musicians are not at the table. Uh, we're not included in the discussions and we're definitely not supported in the same way that other musicians are. And this is a live music capital of the world. In 1991, they took on that name. 
Since 1991, the black population has gone down incrementally over you know the last 30 years. So there's a direct relation to people coming here. Oh, this is a great music city. Let mm-hmm. me check it out. Let me come here for a weekend or whatever and hang out to black people not being in the city. Wow. So every year the, the black population has gone down. But every bar you go into, what music are they playing? It's black music. Mm-hmm. It's black culture that they're experiencing. Whether right. it's Rolling Stones you go and see or it's whatever. This all comes from black people. And so, you know, you have a city here that's benefiting off of music, largely generated from black um, stories, black culture, black, black everything. And you have a black population that is diminishing. So those two things, you know, I've been here for 12 years and I've seen it myself. When I first touched down here, you know, I was living in the east side right off of Weberville. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody that I was encountering, a place called the, um, the Hog Pen. And, uh, you know, everybody I was encountering was saying, you know, it's going to be over for us pretty soon. You know, the city's changing. This was 12 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was basically, <clears throat> even though I was listening, but I was also trying to express to them something I believe in is like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you know, we have to see ourselves here in order to be here. But I also didn't have a real grasp on the historic racism and systemic racism that exists here in a, in, in a similar way, but in a different way than it does in other cities that I've lived in. I see. And so, you know, this is a very racist and segregated city. Hmm. I did not know that when I moved here. But my experience, um, my lived experience here over time uh, brought me to that understanding. And so um, the inability of uh, the Austin music industry to really uh, address the needs of black musicians and black creators caused me to create the Black Live Music Fund. And so, you know, the idea behind the Black Live Music Fund is to have our own fund. Well, we can fund our own projects Mm -hmm. and, you know, not necessarily um, look to anyone else um, for that support, including the city, because many people may not know. I'm not going to go too long on this, but there's something called the Live Music Fund. Mm -hmm. And that was created out of hotel tax funds from the city. I I am still a part of the uh, Music Commission as a a chair. Uh, I was a chair, vice chair and then chair of the Music Commission. But before I was a chair, I made a whole lot of noise. And this is what ended up leading me to the creation of Black Lives Music Fund because all these people sitting in these rooms were talking about how hard it is to be a musician in Austin, how difficult it was to, to make a living, but nobody was talking about the realities of Black musicians in Austin and Black people in Austin. So as soon as it was hard, as soon as it became hard for um, a lot of times privileged people to live in the city, then it became an issue that we needed to talk about. But when it was black people that couldn't afford here and had to move to Maynard, Round Rock, Pflugerville, it wasn't it wasn't headline news. So there's a bias there that's clear. That's not it's like the elephant in the room. Oh, it's so hard for musicians to be here. Da, da, da. But I'm like, why are we talking about how hard it is to live here as a black person? Why is this such a difficult conversation to have? So I was just like, you know what? The city is, is built off of black culture, it's built off of black music. We need to have a black live music fund. And obviously that is legally is something that the city can't really uh, accomplish. You can't say, we're just going to give money to black uh, music. But I, I made the statement to make a point and saying, like, we have this live music fund. We should give half of this money to black musicians, period. This That's just that's just only fair. Um, but knowing that the city couldn't really make that happen, I started the Black Live Music Fund on my own. And so far, we raised almost $20,000. It's a part of an organiza- another organization that started called Dawa. And we'll be, hopefully in 2022, start... Um, um, I'm, you know, releasing some of that funding so that black musicians can do their thing here in the city. 
Very cool. Yeah, and all I did, all I did was just build the website, right? (laughs) I could tell that that something something really great had to happen. Yeah. And it was gonna require a catalyst to to make it happen. And uh and so, you know, me and my uh designer Casey, we Mm -hmm. just got right to work and we I mean, when you do websites for a living, it doesn't take that long. Right. It's when you've never done a website before that it can take forever. We we got the whole thing done in like five hours and it does everything that Shaka needed it to. So nice. I'm, I'm yeah. proud of our contributions. Nice. Yeah, it was definitely something that, I, you know, I needed to have done. And with all the other things that I, I do, you know, it was just kind of like putting it off. So having that, you know, taken off my plate was was huge. It was, a, it was a fundraising arm where we could just tell the story of the Black Lives Music Fund, and it's, it's been helpful, really helpful. What I love about what you both are doing is just all you recognizing the needs and some of the shortfalls that that are not being met in the community uh, through music and art and all these other things, and you just get out there as entrepreneurs and say, okay, how can I beyond – uh, uh, and both of you have your own careers and you gotta, you, you've got to like build for your families. But beyond that, the giving back to the community is, is super encouraging in, in, the, in the work that you both are doing. I'm curious about systemic issues in the industry. Uh, Shaka, are there anything, is there any systemic issues that you've faced in this entrepreneurial community? You've talked about some of the cha- challenges and experiences, but maybe something that we could shine more of a light on. Um, in the in the entrepreneurial community mm-hmm. specifically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know about the entrepreneurial community. I think um, one of the challenges that I see is there's a tremendous amount of wealth coming to the city, and um, that wealth uh, tends to be consolidated and not shared. And so you know, folks that uh, you know work here, um, they may be even remote. You know, um, they're not really involved in um, supporting the communities that they're moving into. They just kind of um, they move here and they don't really get involved. They don't really um, disconnected. Look around and, really, yeah. and see what what's what's needed out here. A, there's a real disconnection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that, you know, in a lot in the tech community, which is huge here. There's so many people moving here um, from other tech cities or, you know, coming here to create startups. Um, but there's there's a disconnect between um, these folks and the city that they're actually living in. Um, the people that have actually been here historically and some of the issues that they face um, as as residents because of these uh, new residents that are moving here. So it's like you're moving here has a huge impact on uh, property values and a huge impact in just the city overall. But you're not really giving much back. Um, you're, ta- you're, you're creating problems that you may not be aware of and you're living in a, in a sort of bubble um, where, you know, you feel like, well, I'm solving these problems out in the world, but you have no idea the problems that um, are existing like right around the corner from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say I would I would just add on that, you know, that's that's a tech challenge. And that's that's my challenge. You know, mm-hmm. my my challenge was exactly what Shaka was saying, getting out of my own uh, getting out of my own apartment going out to see the music, but, but also just getting involved in the, in the community. And, uh, you know, the, the challenge of black businesses matter is how are we as tech and as entrepreneurs, are we going to, are we going to, uh, grow this, be a part of it and, uh, and help our brothers, you know, frankly, it's a, none of us, none of us are going to enjoy living in a city, 
without black people in it. I can tell you that right now. Right. I don't want to live in a city without black people in it. It's a community for, for sure. Yeah. I, I am curious. We're here to celebrate black entrepreneurs uh, in Austin. Chaka, do you have a favorite or inspiring entrepreneur? Um, if you uh, check out freshalife.com right now, you can see kind of my biggest um, inspirations. And um, he has a quote that says, the, the highest human act is to inspire. His name is Nipsey Hussle. Um, he's born and raised in L.A., Los Angeles. Um, he's an entrepreneur. He's a musician. He's a community activist. Um, he, got, he was getting involved in tech, created opportunities for young people to learn coding and tech in this community. Um, he used his influence and his brand um, to impact his community. He understood the struggles in his community, and he really um, took it on himself to be the change that he wanted to to see in the world. So he was really, really highly intentional about the moves that he was making. And he started from, you know, the bottom. Like Drake says, he started from the bottom, but he ain't start from the bottom. Um, you know, this guy truly started from, you know, the street level and, you know, ended up being nominated for a Grammy. Um, un- unfortunately, he was, his life was taken. Um, I think he was 35. He was murdered. Um, right outside of his his store, actually, in the, in the community that he was born and raised in. Um, so it's a sad it's a sad ending, but um, he lived his life to the fullest, and he believed in um, in in community, and he believed in entrepreneurship, and he believed in his his ability to inspire the next generation. And you know, I I'm a part of a group called Riders Against the Storm, and you know, some people heard us, some people haven't, um, but we get our name from a group called Sweet Honey in the Rock. And they're all female acapella group. Um, they've been singing since the 60s, freedom songs, and really have this beautiful, these beautiful harmonies and songs that they sing. They have a song called Ella Song, and it's taken from, the lyrics are taken from Ella Baker, an activist, civil rights activist. And in the song, they talk about passing a torch to the young who will run against the storm. And so, you know, we're we're children of the civil rights. My my parents met at an Urban League conference. They were involved in the civil rights movement. I'm I'm that generation that took the torch from them, and we're you know we're riders against the storm. So I take that really seriously. I feel like we have a responsibility, um, and that's that's embedded in everything that I do. And I feel like Nipsey had that same feeling that, you know, we have a responsibility for future generations. We have to show them, you know, lead lead, lead by example. Very cool. I I love that story. I'm so so happy you, you shared that with us because it's 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 through these stories that that mean uh, something to us that others can learn and appreciate the art and 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 people's lives. So thank you for sharing that for sure. My last question, uh, and this is really something I want to throw out to both of you. Um, um, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs in Austin? This is this this program is called Masters and Founders because, you know, the, there's there's people like yourself and people like myself and PJ that are out there, you know, put their own shingle out and doing their own, their thing. But there's people like as you mentioned behind us that that need to carry that torch. So, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs? Uh, you know, my advice to entrepreneurs is you know, once you find something that you're passionate about, just make sure that you know it's something that's needed. You know, because anything that I've done has been successful because it's something that actually resonates with somebody. I don't invest in, into it until I see that there's actually, you know, a resonance 
if you want to start a cookie business and, you know, you make cookies and you, you know, you hand them out to your friends and they don't really say anything like positive about it, you know, you're, you're getting feedback there yeah. that, you know, maybe that's not the right thing. Right. Uh, maybe people don't need these cookies from me, but you know, you have to, you have to really get feedback, everything from the clothing line to music, um, to the, you know, the black light music fund, the Dawa, which we didn't even address. It, it's about the need that's out there mm-hmm. and seeing that there's a need, uh, for for something to be offered, you have to see um, not ju- not just think about the money, but really think about the exchange. Like, why should I, as somebody that is out there in the community, why should I want to exchange this energy that I have that I work for? I've, I've stored up this energy. I go to work every day. I, I have this energy with me. Why should I share it with you in, t- in the form of currency, in the form of you know money? Um, why should I share that with you? I work hard for what it. Why should I release this and give it to you? What am I getting in exchange? If you have a good answer for that, then like, I feel like, you know, you, you have something, you have something there. Like if you can really answer that question, like why should someone, you know, make this exchange with you? What, what is your, what are you offering that's of value? If you have a good answer, for that, it doesn't have to be a you know mission statement or anything like that. But if you really have an answer for that, then, you know, go after it and be willing to, you know, sacrifice the time and everything that's going to take to actually learn the industry, learn um, the terminology, learn the ins and outs of, of whatever you're, you know, you're wanting to do. Um, believe in, believe in it. Um, there are going to be plenty of people, trust me, like that they're going to tell you that, you know, you can't do it or that, you know, you should be spending your time doing something else. Uh, but, you know, you have to believe in yourself um, and, and, and just put in the work, man. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the same thing. You know, it's uh, it's got to matter to somebody because if it doesn't matter to you, then it, what kind of business is it? You know, and if it doesn't matter to somebody else, it's not really much of a business anyway. Mm-hmm. The the part two to that. And I would tell any entrepreneur, you got to get your bread right. Quite simply, you know, you got to know uh, what you're making, what you're spending, what you need, what you don't need. Mm-hmm. Get your bread right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, you know, a hidden thing I think in a lot of these uh, entrepreneur stories is, you know, they don't, you know, often talk about the money that you know kind of helped them get started. And so, if you don't have money, if you're someone that's starting without money, then you know, you, there's something else that you can find is, is community or support. You know, it, it, until you until you can find the financial support, you know, you're going to have to do a lot of on your own. And, you know, don't feel bad because a lot of these folks that, you know, they put on the cover of these magazines or whatever, the Zuckerbergs and all this, they have family money. They had all types of privilege and things that create opportunities for them that you, you know, the average person is just doesn't have access to. So, you know, if you don't have access to, you know, capital, um, then, you know, look around and see what capital you do have, because there are things that you may have privilege to have around you that other people don't community, um, experts, you know, people that are into whatever you're into, you can, you can galvanize that until you can find the capital. But, you know, it is going to take, if you want to really get, um, to a level, um, certain level, you're going to, it's going to take some capital, but I think there's this, uh, this entrepreneurial myth where it's just like, oh yeah, see the need, you know, create the thing and, you know, it'll come. It's like, no, like at some point (laughs) you're going to have to find, you know, some investment, right? But, you know, do all the work that it takes until then. So when you get to the investment point, you can really tell them your story. You can show them evidence of even without without the capital, because a lot of things 
I've done are without capital, but I can show them, I can say, hey, we had this impact with no marketing, with no, you know, right, <laughs> just right. straight, straight bootstrap, like none of that. We had this impact. We sold this much. So if you invest even more, right. this is how we can how it can scale. But you have to have some type of record of that. Yeah. You know, so don't worry if you don't, you know, start out with a lot. It doesn't it doesn't take take a lot and figure out ways you can do it without a lot. Like I started clothing businesses, print on demand via Printful. The cost was the website cost and the um, the Shopify page. And that was it. You know, so maybe that was 50 to 100 bucks. I, I don't really remember, yeah. but at most 100 bucks a month. Um, and I was able to sell things online. So, you know, you, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to get started. But don't don't be afraid if you don't have it, because, you know, a lot of these folks, they try to tell you that they, they bootstrap, they did it themselves. But behind the scenes, it's mom, it's dad, it's the uncles, it's the aunts um, that like really give them that initial start. So, you know, don't be afraid to start with nothing. You can do it. But also make sure that there's a need. I, I'd say also start young. You know, I don't think that there's any reason if there's somebody out there just because they're young that they shouldn't get started in entrepreneurship. Right. And, and in fact, when, when you're young is probably the best time to get started because before you have a lot of responsibilities, <laughs> Yeah. you know, sure. I'm glad I started young. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, this was a great interview. I, I really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed so much about this conversation that we had, uh, mostly what speaks to me is the sense of community, but also the art and the, the need of opening your eyes and being present to, to what has been given to us. Uh, even if we don't have it, like the, uh, the ability to create from nothing, which is, which is, which is really powerful, but also looking out for the rest of the community and seeing how, how, how to be helpful. Because I think that's the part of our human journey is not only looking out for ourselves, but looking out for the community and how can we be part of that? So thank you both for being on the show. Yeah, I would definitely like to say, you know, if people are interested in supporting, we didn't get a chance to really talk about Dawa, but Dawa is something that started in 2019. It's uh, in Swahili, Dawa means medicine. Mm -hmm. And the acronym is Diversity, Awareness, and Wellness in Action. And I started it because there are a lot of people like me, creatives, um, healthcare providers, people we call the community frontliners, people that are providing a high value mm -hmm. uh, to our society, but aren't necessarily receiving the financial uh, rewards of that. Um, so you can be a social worker, you could be a you know, musician, you could be a therapist, you could be having a high community impact, but that doesn't necessarily reflect itself in your bank account at the end of the month. Right. So we created DAWA to be a resource, um, financial assistance, a safety net to people um, that are giving back in our communities. So if, if that resonates with you, go to DAWAHeals.org, D-A-W-A-H-E-A-L-S.org. Um, we've given away over $100,000 to that community over the last two years. Uh, we have plans, uh, a lot of plans. Uh, so join uh, join the newsletter, go to the website, check it out. We really appreciate your support. If you can, on a monthly basis, it's just a one-time basis. We're part of the Amplify Austin um, thing that's happening in March. Um, so check that out. You can find us if you do a search there. And um, we'll make sure to put you know, get involved in your community. Sure. Figure out a way, you know, that you know you can learn more about what's happening in Austin. Figure out an organization that you resonate with and, you know, support that organization on a monthly or annual basis. Thank you, Chaka, for joining Masters and Founders today. It's inspiring to hear how you've used your music and your visual art to affect change in our community. There are so many systemic issues that plague our community, but at the same time, 
There's also so many opportunities to be part of the solution of these problems, if we're meeting and willing to find them. Support Shaka's work at freshtolife.com, dawahheels.org, and blmf.zone. You can also listen to Writers Against the Storm wherever you find your music. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to our second Founder Spotlight. This Founder Spotlight is sponsored by Search and Convert, which is an Austin-based marketing agency that can help your business get more leads to your site. Find PJ Christie and his team over at searchandconvert.com to learn more. To learn more about how podcasting can help your business, visit us at foundingmedia.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please tell a friend. See you next time.